When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are now listening to the War Report Podcast Network. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the College Loop Podcast, episode 97 of the College Loop Podcast. We are getting ever so closer to that episode 100. Still trying to debate what we're going to do uh, for it, like something special for it, but that time is ticking away, so we really need to decide what we're going to do for that. Yeah, but, that's literally next um, next Saturday night. Yeah, it is. Or next and, Sunday when it, as it comes out. Yeah, that voice sounds familiar to you. That is Daniel, who well, it's been three episodes since you've been with us, Daniel? It's been three, you know, just kind of life getting ready to get back to Auburn um, has gotten in the way. A lot of a lot of things going on, but I'm back. Should be back full time officially as the summer's over. Great to be back in the state of Alabama. Um, looking forward to being back on the plains. One week from now, I'll be back on the plains. Cannot wait. It's been a fun summer. Had a good time, but looking forward to getting back home, getting back on the grind, and you know, just knocking it out, man. Well, and when you bring up great time and, you know, Auburn and all those key words real quick, let me just say real quick, if you've not, if you've been living under a rock, Auburn recruiting has been going, this is a, this is a dead meme from my, uh, from my heyday as a, as a youth, uh, has been going sicko mode, if you will. Oh my God. In terms of Auburn just picked up yesterday, the commit of four-star corner, Lewis Solomon from I I'm gonna butcher the heck out of this because I Georgia folk just have the weirdest names for stuff. Schley County High School in Ellaville, Georgia, six foot one, one eighty five. Chose Auburn over the likes of South Carolina and Florida State, and dude is a heck of an athlete. I mean, last year as a junior, he he plays wide receiver as well. If you didn't already know that. Uh, caught 86 passes for 1,200 yards, 10 tutties for 
uh, Schley County that went 12 and three and played in the D2 or the Class A D2 title. And on defense, he had 29 tackles, four pass deflections, and three interceptions. And he returned a kickoff for a touchdown. So all great stat lines for that and a little little uh, relationship pipeline. He is the brother of Zykevius Walker, who is a defensive lineman at Auburn. So a lot of family ties going on there. But the, the, the key thing about this pickup is it has rightfully ticked off South Carolina fans. Yeah, um, this is a guy that they thought they were in for right down to the very end. And it's just nice to see Auburn consistently winning recruiting battles against SEC schools. Um, obviously, last week did it against Alabama, did it against Georgia. This isn't on that level, not going to act like it is. But still, this doesn't happen a year ago. That that's That, just on a side note real quick, that is the mentality that Auburn fans need to carry with everything that goes on this year. That wouldn't have happened a year ago. Things are moving in the right direction for this program. And and you bring up, like, you beat out Alabama and Georgia last week for DeMarcus Riddick and Perry Thompson. But it's worth noting for South Carolina, they have also been on a hot streak as well. And and, and it's something that we haven't really been paying that much attention to, you know, because we're Auburn-centric, you know, wearing the logo and the hat. South Carolina has been on a tear recently, too. They picked up a five-star in Dylan Stewart last week as well. And going to this week, I mean, I was expecting another – defensive back commit today or yesterday Julius Solomon I had already like written it in the stars that he was a he was a South Carolina lock and if it wasn't South Carolina it was Florida State and and from the looks of it it looks like South Carolina fans went into today and said oh yeah we got Julius Solomon well they didn't and it has annoyed and ticked off a whole other fan base that of Twitter of Twitter fans that I am just rolling in because it is hilarious to watch these guys get so upset over a high school guy picking another team over them. And I, I think it was a guy on Twitter. I don't know his name. I don't think I need to know his name. He had a little rant post come out about high school athletes asking him to do free commitment graphics. Like he volunteered to do the graphic. They said, yeah, sure. Or, yeah, dude, get, go ahead and get that ready for South Carolina. And then, you know, they don't come. And he got a little upset. He said it, like, affects him. And, you know, he thinks it's, like, not cool. But they're high schoolers. What do you expect them to do? Yeah. Um, just I'm sure Julius Solomon had an Auburn graphic, a Florida State graphic, and South Carolina graphic ready. And personally, if you're a grown man getting upset by things that high schoolers do, you just kind of need to take a look in the mirror. Like, Dylan, you're about to be a high school teacher. I'm sure that's something that you've you know thought within yourself. Like, these are kids. Anything they say or do, I need to take with a grain of salt because they're kids and it doesn't matter. So this guy just needs to grow up. Yeah, like, and we've seen that, we've seen that from uh, two other fan bases uh, in this recruiting cycle uh, oh, yeah. as it stands. But it is worth mentioning Auburn did pick up Julius Solomon, who I was less confident in. And I was more confident in the fact Auburn's going to get KJ Bolden, who did end up going to Florida State, which I don't think is that huge of a loss. I think uh, going in, leaving Big Cat weekend, I think the hype of Big Cat really got to KJ and to Mm -hmm. the Auburn fan base because we went into last weekend like, oh, yeah, we got KJ Bolden in the bag, dude. He's coming to Auburn, Auburn lock. But people don't. 
Georgia lost him to Auburn and Florida State. Florida State has been his dream school for the I think his entire life. If and if you missed, uh, I'm getting that from Caleb Benson. And if you missed that missed that interview with Caleb Benson, he's a great recruiting analyst. He's he knows more about recruiting than literally anybody in the college loop combined. So of course, go follow him. You can always give a shout out to, to Caleb and go check out the last episode where we interviewed him as well. Uh, but yeah, KJ, I, it's not a huge loss. Uh, the only thing that would have really helped would have been the fact that it would have jumped Auburn up a lot, kind of. Yeah. Um, maybe a little bit. I don't know how much it would actually. Uh, but, I mean, Auburn currently sits at 16th in the country, and it is only August. Yeah. Um, kind of like referencing the first point you said, where after Big Cat Weekend, a lot of people thought KJ was in the bag for Auburn. Um, I feel like it's kind of a thing, like, you never decide to buy a car when you're on the lot, you know, like, cause he, he said like, Oh, I, I almost committed several times. Yeah. I, I just feel like that's one of those things like beforehand his parents are like, whatever you do, like do not commit while you're there. And that's completely understandable. Like this is a big decision. Like, yeah, it's not binding until you sign a piece of paper, but still it's a big decision. Um, so it may, I wasn't really surprised when he didn't commit there. Cause like Perry Thompson's different. He knew he was going to do that. Like, his mind had been made up, he said, for a month. So, obviously, KJ's wasn't. So, I, I definitely think the hype kind of got to him a little bit. And yeah. then he, you know, got home, got back to Buford, and was like, okay, this place was great. Is it – do I really want to go there? Or, you know, do I want to – I've been dreaming of going to Florida State for as long as I can remember. Like, do I want to do that? Like, Florida State's program on the up. Like, I, I've got them as my sleeper to win the ACC this year. Um. So that's kind of why I think it is. And I really like I've seen a lot of Auburn fans kind of going after him for like leading the program on. Like, first of all, this isn't high school drama. Like, grow up. Like, I'll address it with Auburn fans too. Grow up. And another thing, like, he's a kid and it's his life. Like, you've got to keep those two things in mind. So, KJ, great luck to you, man. Um, from what I've heard, you're nothing but a solid guy as well as a football player. So, hope to see your career thrive in that beautiful garnet and gold, man. Yeah, and I mean, uh, my, it's worth mentioning that he also that Mike Norvell. I, yes. you bring up sleeper pick for the ACC. Yeah, Mike Norvell has been doing a hell of a job down. Yeah, fourth in, in the country in recruiting. Yeah, and uh, I think they were uh, top ten in the transfer portal class as well, too, if yep. I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, I mean, I agree with the pick uh, for them being a sleeper pick. I'm a little biased towards Miami. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I, I, I. Picked him to win the ACC a year ago, and now I'm just like, I got to see him win it now. I'm sticking with my guns <laughs> year in and year out, even if I'm wrong. But you lose KJ Bolden. You pick up Jaleel Solomon, which is now Auburn's, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, the fifth defensive back of the class of 2024, which is funny to think about in the sense that this is not a position of need for Auburn. But no. Zach Etheridge and Crime Dog have been very adamant on getting their guys. And when you watch Kinsley Faustin, the three-star safety from Naples, you watch Julius Solomon, you watch Jaden Lewis, you watch Amon Lane, and you watch Jalen Crawford. I mean, those are guys, when you watch uh, DBs who are coached by Etheridge and Crime Dog, those are like their dudes. Mm-hmm. Like, these are guys that uh, – maybe Jalen Crawford maybe the only one that might be uh, – I, maybe he needs a little more time to develop as a uh, as a coverage guy but when you think of 
Auburn has been one of the quietest teams in terms of defensive back production uh, in college and the NFL. And to watch going into this year, DJ James, Nehemiah Pritchett, Keontae Scott, Jalen Simpson, so on and so forth, and all the names we always mention when we talk about great players on the Auburn defense. I mean, I think the defensive back room is like the first four when you talk about like best players on this defense. And you, you're seeing names like Kyan Lee come up, a true freshman who might see like very, very adamant playing time for the Tigers. And you're watching uh, Austin Osbury and J.D. Rim, both also sophomores who are also looking at getting some playing time. And now you get 2024. You have Jalen Crawford coming in, Amon Lane, Jaden Lewis. You have Joe Lewis Solomon all coming in. I mean, Auburn and at Zach Etheridge, Auburn and Crime Dog are all setting – this football team up for like almost a decade worth of very solid defensive back room. And I mean, Auburn, I think they should be in the competition for DBU within a couple of years. Right. I mean, maybe, not maybe con- not one or two, but like, it, I'm not going to commit to that yet, but um, top 10 top. I'm saying top 10 top. Sure. 10. Why not? Um, yeah. It's been a real like, position of strength for Auburn, as you've said, and that's important. I mean, in today's game of football, you've got to be able to defend the pass. And, you know, there's nothing that will defeat a team more than them just getting absolutely diced up. So if you can prevent that from happening, you put yourself in a pretty good shape. Yep. And, again, just to mention, Auburn is, again, 16th in the country. And I want to say probably one of the hottest teams in the recruiting world right now, and probably alongside Florida State and South Carolina. And, I mean, beating out South Carolina for Julius Solomon was huge. And maybe not that big of a loss for, for K.J. Bowen. Like, yeah, you won another five-star, but, you know, you got got five other cornerbacks coming in. What's, what's one going to hurt, especially whenever – he might not play day one. We don't for for every other position Auburn has been recruiting, like linebacker and wide receiver, O line. Even though Auburn hasn't got one yet, maybe some D line. It's been kind of I think playing time has been a key like necessity of a lot of like Hugh Freeze's recruiting tactics, and it's kind of hard to promise playing time in the Auburn secondary because it has just been so loaded. So, I mean, you give these other guys time to develop. I mean, Auburn fans might forget about K.J. Bowen in a few years unless they play Florida State some way or somehow. Yeah. So, yeah, not that big of a loss. Uh, another, There's a lot of other guys Auburn is currently recruiting. Some other five stars. Camarion Franklin, who Auburn is making up ground on. There's some warm interest going on there per 24-7. So, I mean, not the end of the world. A lot more this recruiting cycle is nowhere close to being finished. And even no. if... Even if Auburn didn't want KJ Bolden, or, or not, not that they didn't want him, even though they can't promise him to start, I mean, we've seen it happen in the last—I don't want to say nine months—that Hugh Freeze is not afraid at trying to recruit commits uh, from Florida State. <clears throat> Keldrick Falk, cough, cough, wink, wink, you know. But now to move from players of the future to players of the present, Jarquez Hunter has been a huge talking point over the past week at fall camp. And he has been in the building. Just let everyone know that Uh, he's not practicing yet, uh, but he is in the building. Uh, And it's just not something to panic about right now. Uh, I mean, 
the school's not going to really, they want everyone to kind of remain quiet about the whole situation. We're not going to talk about the like the situation that happened in detail. If you want to know what happened, look it up. But I mean, there, there's going to be some kind of punishment come up. Uh, yeah. It's not going to be anything strenuous. I mean, we've seen players do worse and get a slap on the wrist, miss a half of a game, miss a game. If he misses week one, what's it going to hurt? Right. And at top to bottom, Auburn is not losing to UMass. Mm. I think uh, I've heard a UMass analyst say that their their ceiling is like three wins. <laughs> Auburn is not going to be one of those wins with or without Jarquez Hunter, especially because Damari Alston is still very good. J- Jeremiah Cobb is going to be very good. And Brian Batie is also very, very good. I, it's... There's a panic button somewhere in the hemisphere, but it is nothing that Auburn fans should be hitting right now for Jarquez Hunter. Is that am I am I being too preachy about that? I mean, I don't think so. Um, I feel like it's. I'm trying to find a comparison for it in my head. I'm just kind of failing to do so, but. I feel like if it was like going to be serious, we would we would know by now. Um, if it was going to be he had to miss multiple games or even yeah you know, like kicked off the team or something crazy like that, like we would know. Um, matters like that tend to move pretty quick. It's when something's going slow like this that's when you know like okay, the university's just kind of thinking like okay like what do, what do we do like like what is a good you know, punishment here. Because you don't want to overpunish, you don't want to underpunish. So that's my prediction. I think he I don't think he plays the UMass game. Um that might even be a bit extreme. Um I'm not really sure. But that's just what I'm guessing. And it's a positive too, because uh in the sense you don't risk getting hurt in a nothing game really. Sure. And I mean we've I, the first one that comes to mind is Nick Marshall. Whenever he mm-hmm. got suspended for the first half of the Arkansas game, and but Jeremy Johnson came in and he tricked the entire sports media world into making him a Heisman front row the next year. So <laughs> let's get Demari Austin the ball. Let's get let's let Robbie Asher run it out. I mean, Auburn's going to put up fifty this game. You're not even going to know Starquest Hunter wasn't on the field because it's right. going to be score, 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 score. UMass field goal, Auburn touchdown. Just bad. It's it's going to be a now, blowout. If- if they had to open the season with the trip to Cal, I'd be a little more concerned about it. Still, I, I think Auburn still takes that game. Um, I don't know how Auburn's not favored to win this one. Like, honestly, like, that's one of those, like, I, I'm not a betting man personally. And, you know, I'm not imploring you to do this. But if you want some easy money, go ha- go hammer Auburn on the line. Because um, that, that's that's a lock. Um and you know, I, I know locks. I am one. Okay, that locks that's lock of the week. <laughs> locks lock of the week for week two will be Auburn over Cal. Anyway, um, yeah, I just I don't think it's going to be the end of the world. I really don't. Yeah, and again, nothing to panic about quite yet. Panic meters at a point five. But there is something to get all up and all up in arms about uh, in terms of fall camp. Auburn's equipment staff has shown the world a a possibility that they are just keeping from us. 
and that is the blue pants with the white and orange stripe down the leg, and it looks so good. It looks so freaking good, and they announced it's only for practice, which I think is a load of crap because I'm pulling up now. It looks so good. Like, if you're watching it, look at that. That is gorgeous. That is the type of uniform that I need in my life. Imagine that with a white, like the like the actual white jerseys. That That's clean. That is the definition of the word clean. Yeah, I'm not sure when the last time Auburn has, you know, made a significant uniform change, not like other than the face masks. But it hasn't been within my time um, following the program. So, you know, the blue pants would look good um, in a game, I think. But that just the white on white on white look is just so iconic. Um, I would hate to see it go away on the road. Unless, like, you know, if they wear blue pants at Cal, like, I, I think I'd be okay with that. But for an SEC road game, I'd like for them to stick with the, the Stormtroopers, as they've been coined. And, you know, the, the worst part about me looking at, I've always been a, a a component of Auburn really should try to throw in some alternates. Why not? You know, it, it makes the sport, I don't want to say it, make, it makes it, makes it fun. You know, because yeah. tr- tradition is a great thing about Auburn. But in the new tides turning for college football, uh, it is it is more of a spectacle. And it does help to have some nice looking uniforms uh, come around and maybe a new sponsor as well <clears throat> for Auburn football, hopefully. Uh, but I mean, it also hurt me cause I'm also a big orange Jersey truther as well. Cause I really want to see an orange Jersey in my lifetime and watching the quarterbacks play with the, it, it, it looks weird. And it probably would look weird in game, but like the, the white helmet with the orange Jersey and the blue pants, like mm. that, I don't, I don't know about all that. I don't think it fit, but like I, I just it all all I want to do is I really want I want like the white jersey with the blue pants. I want the orange jersey with white pants, and I mean I, I don't it, I think messing with the helmet's probably like a bad idea. Yeah, um, the of the three main pieces of the uniform, that being the helmet, the jersey, and the pants. I feel like the one most likely, like other than the face masks, because I mean, it's been altered plenty yeah. over the past few years, but I feel like the part of it to most likely to be altered is the pants. Because, um, like you said, the, the the white helmet with a blue face mask with a the white jersey and the blue pants, like that's not that risky. Um, I feel like that'd look okay. But I don't know. I'm seeing something beautiful though. I'm seeing white helmet, orange face mask, white jersey, orange pants, white socks, white cleats. It's hard to envision. It's not for me because I've been wanting this for a while. <laughs> I will argue with anybody that Auburn should get alternate uniforms. And they I'm all for alternates, but Tar is the biggest old head on the show when it comes to uniform changes. And I have argued with him countless times that Auburn should at least experiment with some alternate uniforms for games that don't matter. Well, yeah, I agree with that. And kind of, um, if you don't know, I don't know how you wouldn't know by now if you've been a long-time support show, I'm a huge Boston Red Sox fan. 
Um, they're one of the teams that's like extremely rooted in their traditions and alternate uniforms for them for a long time were like the idea of it was like you didn't even talk about it. You wore the white on the white at home and the gray on gray on the road. Well, I think it was 2005 or 2006 they debuted the red jersey for weekend home games. I love it. It's my favorite of the Red Sox jerseys. And then I think it was 2013 or 2014, the blue jersey for road games came along. And, you know, they look great. Um, of course, the whole fan base was skeptical at first. but And I feel like baseball uniforms are less risky than football uniforms anyway because um, they're just more basic in nature. But, I mean, people were skeptical and they looked good. So, I mean, I, I'm all for trying it. Like, I, I'm an adventurous person. I like to try things. But if it looked Excuse me. If it looks bad, and I don't think Auburn's equipment staff would let it, but if they did, you, you can't bring it back. Edward, I'll end the point here. Traditional uniforms are always going to receive hate for attempting to go against the grain. Sure. But I think in this case, it would benefit because I think watching it in a game, I think you'd get a lot more lovers of an alternate uniform than you would get haters. And that's coming. That's stretching past Auburn fans as well. Because I mean, like any other fan base, like, oh, Auburn's got got some nice uniforms going on. Yeah, and I think Auburn's like one of the. I, I want to say outside of I think Bama, and I, I think that's about it. I think Auburn and Bama are like the only two SEC schools that don't really alter their uniforms at all or get yeah, new ones. Every, every yeah, everyone else I can think of um, regular or not maybe not regularly, but has an alternate of some kind. Um, my personal favorite, I don't know why these got so much hate, but like the smoky gray that Tennessee wore and Texas a and wore. And the black like, ones they wore too. Yeah, like I don't know why the black ones got so much hate. I really don't. I don't get what they did either. And I, like, I Speaking of Tennessee, clean. I mean, Nashville, uh, the Vanderbilt had the Nashville skyline on the back of their helmets. Yeah, like that was sick. Chef's kiss. But... And all this positivity talk, Daniel. How's it got you feeling? It's got me feeling good. You know, um, football is almost back. That's pretty much everyone in the South's favorite sport. Um, you know, now that I'm back, like I'm feeling it again. Um, so I'm excited both for college and NFL. Um, Dylan and I are pretty big rivals when it comes to NFL. He's a diehard Carolina Panthers fan. I'm a diehard New Orleans Saints fan. So there will be some banter back and forth this year. Looking forward <laughs> to that. But as far as the college side of things, man, well, and the NFL, but I, I'm excited for football. And it's only about a month away, and I'm I'm ready, man. Would you say you're feeling a little loopy? I'm feeling loopy. Feeling a little loopy. Well, Daniel, do I have the shirt for you? Oh, you do. I'm going to throw up the graphic. Feeling Loopy shirts are on sale for $25 on thewarport.com. We got our shirts. They are so freaking comfortable. I don't think I've – it's my favorite shirt that I own, and I'm not just saying that because it's got my logo on it. It is a comfy shirt, and it is the best shirt. I just messed up the graphic. There we go. Put it up one more time. It's got five colors. You have the navy, the heather navy, black, heather black, and, of course, you got the heather gray. They are gorgeous. Please go get you one. It's in the description below if you want to go straight there. Or if you want to go check out some of the other work by the War Report, go to their their, uh, ch- their website. Go to their shop. You know, shop around a little bit. They got some cool stuff over there as well. We but especially the Feeling Loopy shirt because them things 
And I, t- I said it last show. They're just too comfy. They're way they too are. comfy. I, really I, I wore mine yesterday, and it's already back in the washing machine tuck awareness this week. Like, it's a shirt that's a necessity of any week that I desperately need a comfortable shirt, especially with school starting back up soon for me. And kids are a little stressful, so I'm going to need a shirt <laughs> that's comfortable for me to wear. Absolutely. But now to go from a positive topic to a <laughs> not-so-positive topic – we are going to be previewing the linebacker room for the Auburn Tigers, a position that I'm not very excited to watch play this year. I got to no. be real. Um, I think that this is probably the position room that I'm the most like, oh, God. Like the defensive line and the DB room are going to have to pick up some slack. And that's not me hating. That's just telling it like it is. Um, and, sorry, go ahead. And it's been a big position of need as well in recruiting. I mean, you can tell with the 2024 class, you had Demarcus yeah. Riddick, Joseph Phillips, uh, D'Angelo Barber, and I think that's I'll make sure I'm not forgetting one. Uh, while I'm screw, uh, yep, that's yep, you got three linebackers coming in for class 2024, all to really help beef up that linebacker room. That Auburn picked up two transfers from from this past Austin year, linebackers, and who else? Uh, Larry Nixon the third. Okay. Uh, and if you want From to count Texas, yep. Okay. The uh the feeder school, if you will. Uh, right. <laughs> North Texas picked up two transfers from there. Uh, but I mean, I look at this linebacker room. Austin Keys probably been the best one I that we've been hearing about through the spring, and I, I've not been hearing anything about the fall camps quite yet. I need to go read some articles on that. But Austin Keys has been the best linebacker, and he's the one I'm least worried about. But in a four-two-five, that uh, defensive formation, I mean, you have a strong side and you have a weak side, or a middle and a weak. It depends on the formation. So there's going to be another guy that's going to be having to help Austin Keys, and we have no idea who that's going to be. And because I mean, I think fall camp or spring camp, it's been Austin Keys and blank running first team, and just interchanging cycle of just. Who fits the best with Austin Keys? Because all of these guys are not really, I don't want to say SEC caliber, but compared to what Auburn has had in the past, I mean, coming from, I don't want to say Jake Holland, but Jake Holland from, I want to say last year, um, Papo and Deshaun Davis and Trey Williams. I mean, Auburn has always had that guy, a linebacker. Yeah. And I want to say the last couple of years, I mean, Op and Zacoby was probably one of my probably the one of the most fun linebacker combos to watch ever. But last year it was Owen Papo and eh, just whoever played there was eh. But the only other player that I've been hearing not negative things about has been Robert Woodyard. Uh, he's probably the youngest one of the other five that I've been hearing about. I think. Uh, 2021 uh, class, the guy who flipped from Alabama. Uh, and after that, I mean, Larry Nixon the third has, uh, yeah, he, I think he came in. Did he come in after A Day? Yeah. Remember that correctly? Uh, so you haven't seen a lot of him. Eugene Asante, he came out, he, he's been working out. That's all I got from him so far is just the picture of him because <laughs> someone like compared him to Owen Papo. And I was like, please, love of God, do not do that. That's like uh, on par with comparing kids to Cam Newton. Just don't do it. I wouldn't go that far. 
Okay, you're right. It's a step below. It's a step below that. It's a few steps below from Cam. I would well, say it's it's within the same universe. And I and I get it's like you know physique wise, but athletic wise, no one's coming close to on Papo for a while. Uh, Wesley Steiner and Cam Riley are both returning, and they're both guys that I've just not been impressed with. And no, ever since like, they started in the field, like. Eh. Last year, um, right around when the season started, like everyone talked about Cam Riley like he was the truth. And literally every play on defense, somebody was bailing him out. Um, same thing with Wesley Steiner. Like I was so unimpressed with those guys. Um, it's not even funny. And I feel like that makes what Owen Papo was able to do even more impressive, that the fact that he had to pick up so much slack. Yeah, and it's, and it's funny saying that, even though the fact that we always talk about on the show that OP was just used so improperly from the last Agreed. few Auburn coaching staffs. And, and linebacker has always been a pretty solid position for Auburn. I mean, looking back, I'm just – the first ones that come to mind are like the Keo Spikes. It's the first one that comes to mind when I think of Auburn linebackers. Like Auburn has had a history of good linebackers. Yeah. But this year, I mean, Hugh Freeze, of all the great – and I, I love what he's been doing in the recruiting world and the transfer portal – I really wish he would have hammered in some more and brought in some more linebackers because I oh, just I'm just not positive. I'm not thinking positive on the linebacker core because Austin it's Austin Keys and Robert Woodyard are the two that I think should probably be the two starters. After that, throw in Larry Nixon. I think Eugene Asante of the returning guys has been the least unimpressive, if that works yeah. uh, grammarly. Wesley Steiner and Cam Riley, I think it's time to give up on. Yeah. Um, I'm just, you know, Wesley Steiner was a walk-on who earned a scholarship. You, you, you always love that. They're, they're some of my favorite videos every year. But that's just kind of – this is a position that needs an overhaul still. And um, it's kind of like there, there were two – the way I see it, there were two positions – that was in desperate need of some attention when Hugh Freeze took over, and that's wide receiver and linebacker, um, well, and O line, but they overhauled the O line pretty well, and the wide receiver um, as well, I would say. Yeah, for sure, they definitely got that on the right track. But linebacker, and like I know Hugh Freeze is definitely more of an offensive-minded head coach, so this is um, an effort that isn't entirely on him as much as the receiver room and a line, but it's still his team. So it's still very much involved with him. And man, I'm just, the efforts to improve it have kind of not been what I would have liked. And like, yes, like for the future, they are like the 2025 linebacker room will probably make us eat our words because with the kids we have committed, it's not even over. It'll be a good position at that point. Um, give them a year to get in, develop. But, you know, that's two years away. Like, what about now? Like, you've got Austin Keys and whoever slack he has to pick up. Like, I'm just like, oh, I'm not I'm not excited about this position at all. Yeah, and this has been one of the positions we've tried that we've held out, held off on the longest because it's just right. it's just not a position that Auburn is the strongest at. And I think yeah. uh, when you think of games that Auburn could lose, and we talked about it when we previewed Georgia and we previewed LSU, that they were both where it's like 
Jane Daniels is going to have a field day against these linebackers running wise because Austin Keys can't be in three places at once. Mm-hmm. And Robert Woodyard is he's still developing. Larry Nixon's more of a pass rush guy more than he's going to be in the coverage. Asante and Riley are coverage guys in, the sli- in a little bit, but I just don't trust Cam Riley in the slightest. I, I, no. I, there's times where I've looked at Cam Riley play and I was like, I wonder if I could like get a five yard <laughs> slant on Cam Riley. And, and, and that's not like me diss on him. It might sound like that way. It's just watching Steiner and Cam Riley and every year it's the same old song and dance. This is the year that Cam Riley and Wesley Steiner both take off. They both develop very well, and mm-hmm. this is the year that we're going to hear the most about them. And it's just not – it just hasn't yeah. ever been. And, uh, and the linebacker room has just been poor uh, outside of, a, like, a couple of guys. I, and I, I, 2019, Zacoby and OP. 2020, got them back. Zacoby left, and then – OP just didn't have anybody else. And you tried to trust Steiner. You tried to trust Riley in those situations. Just didn't happen. And I mean, right. Chandler Wooten was a, was pretty good. And, and I hate that he ha- he missed out on the 2020 season. Cause I think he really missed out on the year of development that he needed. But 2020, I think 2021 it's Wooten was good at times, but sometimes just kind of tell that he's like, this guy didn't play football for a year. Now, going into the next season, 2024, 2024 season, Demarcus Riddick is a guy who I think is going to end up starting day one. Uh, yeah. And that is uh, just saying that before Auburn even starts recruiting transfers for the class of 2024 as well, which I think linebacker is going to be a big position of need there as well, mm-hmm. uh, just because that's just what Auburn needs right now. But going into this season, Austin Keys is going to be your guy. And you're just gonna be have a revolving door of linebackers on the other side of him. Uh, just throw in another guy who can give Austin Keys a break when he needs one, and that might be the time where like Brock Bowers or Jaden Daniels decide that you know what, why not? Let me just go ahead and take the ball 20 yards down the field. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's that is probably. I don't want to say the worst position. I could say the worst position, but I'm not going to say worst. I'm going to say the biggest question mark mm-hmm. for Auburn position-wise going into 2023. And that's and I'm saying that over quarterback. I'm saying that way over quarterback. Is Can the linebackers pick up the slack? And can they improve on last year without the presence of Owen Papo? But going into next show... Speaking of previewing, we are going to be previewing Vanderbilt's homecoming game against the Auburn Tigers. Uh, So stay tuned for the Tuesday show where we will be previewing that game. And, I mean, as as it stands right now, Daniel, uh, I am currently the biggest – me and Tar both have the same record with a – I believe that is a 6-2 and record going into this game. You and Colin, I believe, is a 5-3 and uh, stay tuned for that. And now we're going to go into baseball. So shooting it over to the diamond where a little bit, that's men's basketball. There we go. Shooting over to the diamond where Auburn has announced they will compete in the Jacks college baseball classic against Iowa, Wichita state and UVA. And I hate that. I just lost that graphic. Where did it go? Uh, but Daniel, just how huge is this to like, play in Jacksonville for one thing. I mean, you get a nice little beach trip and you get to play 
teams that I, I'm not too familiar with Iowa, Wichita State, and Virginia's baseball programs. Um, well, I know Iowa or I'll start with Virginia. Virginia is a team that was pretty good last year. Um, if I remember correctly, they hosted a super regional, I think. So a pretty solid program there. Um, Iowa, they've made some tournaments um, in the past few years, I think. Yeah. So, um, and in Wichita State, they're just kind of one that, that they're not nearly as good as they are in basketball, but that's a solid little baseball program. So, um, definitely a chance to get some looks in against some different opponents who you wouldn't see normally. And, you know, I think it's a good opportunity for you know, Auburn to play on the neutral site. Ultimately, I like this better than opening up the year um, at home with a, like, series against a team like USC, which, I mean, that was cool. Um, or no, Indiana. I mean, like, that, that yeah. was really cool that that got to happen. But ultimately, I think I like this a little bit better. Um, in twenty for the twenty twenty two season, Auburn kicked it off in uh, Arlington, Texas. I forget who they played, but it was kind of a very similar thing to this. So I'm excited for it. I think it'll be very beneficial. Yeah, but I got the dates pulled up. It's going to take place February twenty third to the twenty fifth. Auburn will take on Iowa Friday, February twenty third at five p.m. Then Saturday, you got Wichita State at 11 a.m., and then you got a Sunday game versus Virginia at 3. So tickets are available now. So if you want a nice little trip to, to Jacksonville, Florida in February, nice little three-day trip, and it's nothing but you and Auburn baseball. And speaking of Auburn baseball, you're going to keep it there, where Cole Foster has been tearing it up in the ACL League. I like a little... Joke I read there, but I shouldn't get it tearing ACL. Yeah, I thought it was funny, but okay. Uh, so in I want to say it was been seven games for the San Francisco Giants ACL team. Uh, he has seen the ball, he's seen the plate 30 times, gotten eight runs, 10 hits, three home runs, two doubles, has a batting average of 333, and 10 strikeouts, but uh, let's see on base plus slugging uh, is a 1.055, and he's slugging at a 0.7. So I'd say I'd say Cole Foster's doing pretty well for himself. Uh, and he was the first Tiger off the board. Am I correct in that? He was. Yep. So Cole Foster doing what Cole Foster does best, and that is showing how much he hates the baseball itself, just hitting it clear over fences. And he hits trees. He's doing good. Can't forget he hates trees as well, and he's really trying to hit those. <laughs> he's trying to hit trees in San Francisco, so I don't know how hard you got to hit a, hit a tree in San Francisco. I feel like that's very that that'd be up that'd be a poke. Um, <laughs> if he hated people on kayaks, you know that's very doable. I, I never been to San Francisco, so I I think is there a lot of kayak in San Fran. So how? It, they have a really cool stadium set up. Um, my best friend Will actually just got back from there. But um, in – sorry, let me get my bearings. In right field, <laughs> um, beyond the ballpark, like there's a walkway, and then they're, they call it McCovey's Cove. Um, there are a ton of kayakers in there, and they, like, go around for home run balls and stuff. Um, it's really cool. Um, it's kind of – one thing on my bucket list is to be in one for batting practice. 
out there. I wouldn't want to do that for a game just because, you know, anyone who knows me, I'm not the biggest, like, outdoorsy type. Like, I like to hike, um, and I like kayaking and stuff like that for, like, a little bit, but not for hours. I'm kind of like an hour, I'm good kind of person with that stuff. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, going back to the original point, that was kind of a rabbit hole. If he hated kayaks, he definitely has a chance to take out a kayaker. <laughs> Which, that alone would be hilarious to watch. Oh, yeah. That, that'd be must-see television. And then just to wrap up the show, we're going to talk about a little gymnastics going on. And I got to be honest, I'm, I don't know the most about gymnastics outside the Auburn. Uh, outside of Neville Arena, my knowledge sure. of gymnastics is not very good. But Suni Lee has qualified for the U.S. Championship in her return to competitions. And I think, if I read this right, she finished second in this in the U.S. Classic, right behind, you know, another all-time legend and at the gymnastics sport, Simone Biles. So, I think when you think of uh, of gold medalists in uh, the, the Paris Olympics uh, coming up, I, I think you have uh, there's two in mind right there, and it's uh, sure. Suni Lee and Simone Biles. And you know, huge ups to Suni. Uh, and I know last last season didn't really go her way. Injuries came up in it, and you know, I, and I think there's some mental health stuff as well. So props to her for getting all that straight and getting healthy again. And she's gonna it always always what she does or has what she has been doing. She's gonna kill it on the national stage whenever she goes to Paris. For sure, uh, that's just how good she is at the sport. But Daniel, go ahead and let everybody know they can love you, find you, and support you. You can find my written work for the 1819 News or for the Auburn Daily or for Braves Today, both uh, Sports Illustrated Fan Nation properties. You can follow me on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke. Yep, got it right the first time that time. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we'll see you two days from now. And, of course, I'm Dylan Lark at You Boy the Tank on Twitter, X, whichever one you want to call it nowadays. And if you want to follow us, you have us on, again, Twitter or X. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and of course, right here on YouTube where you can like, comment, and subscribe. Leave some questions for us in the comments. Leave some hate, hating comments. You know, we love we love the engagement. And of course, leave us some theoretical Thursday prompts in the uh, the words comment section below. And while you're down there, go ahead and like and read the description where again you can get your own feeling loopy shirt through the link in the description below. And if you listen to the podcast, you have us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. And with all that being said, it's been the College Loop Podcast. <laughs>